0: God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you um, for all the leaders in this place, all the people and the gifts and the calling um, collected in this room and and the movement of your spirit and the work of your spirit and the lives gathered here. And I I pray that uh, we can be good stewards of that at this church and that we can be faithful to you. Be drawing us Closer together and knitting us, give give us a warm and deep love for one another. um, That others around us can witness and experience and know that you are Lord of the universe. In your name, amen. So my sermon today is entitled Distracted. And uh, that's a good word because a lot of people, my wife especially, feel that I spend maybe 80% of my life distracted, not paying attention to things. So I think she has to remind me to pick up the kids or, you know, pick up my clothes or turn off this off, take my medication, all of these things because my mind seems to be distracted. I'm thinking about things all the time and not focused on the important details around me. And uh and definitely in the season, I've been distracted, um, and sometimes it feels like in my life I am like a chicken with its head cut off, running around without focus, without uh, a game plan, without you know an outline for life. And, and I know that that's not healthy all the time, that what God and the Holy Spirit is impressing on me is sometimes you got to just stop, right? Stop. And be with me because that's the most important thing. And um, so, our passage today is Luke 10, 38 through 42, and this is from the new international version, the NIV, which is what the uh, Pew Bibles are. So, if you want to follow along the Pew Bibles, it'll also be on the screen, or you can open your Bible app in your phone. Luke 10, 38 through 42. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. So I chose this passage. uh, Please bear with me because uh, this is uh, Saturday and today and this morning. I chose this passage because it's uh, the lectionary passage. It's in today's lectionary, New Testament passage, but it's very apropos, very fitting, um, I think, where we are and where my heart is. Um, Before I get into the passage, you know, one of the most heartbreaking things for a parent, I'm a parent of two young children, 11 and 5, but one of the most humbling and heartbreaking things is when your kids start ignoring you. Right? When they're young, they so you're the best person in their life. You come home and they're like, and they run to you and they hug you. But now when I come home, it's silence. I'm like, is anybody home? Right? And I go deeper into the home and I see that Isaiah is on his Kindle. And now even my five-year-old is poning things in Minecraft as a five-year-old And she's like, I'm building stuff, I'm building stuff. I'm like, hello, hello, I'm here. Yeah, Dad. They barely look up. And maybe this is a part of parenting in the summer when there's no school. And sometimes screen time becomes... Okay, I admit it. Screen time becomes the babysitter um, when you have to deal with the kids. I remember when my daughter... Um was younger, and sometimes she still does this. Uh, she'll put her hand on my face and stroke my hair. It's very intimate. it's like, oh, I'm so glad I have a daughter, you know. And she'll say, "I love you, dad. And And when she does that, I can I feel like I can die today and like be a proud father and just go to heaven and be done with this. Like, because this is, this is what life is about. This moment, this intimate sharing moment with my daughter. Now it's like, hi dad, (laughs) and then back to Minecraft. And so, uh, but my response when I get that, kind of ignoring me is, of course, hurt and pain, and I cry a little inside. But because I'm sad inside, that means, anger is expressed and this is one my inheritance from my father it's like my father is like when he came home and he was in a bad mood and we weren't studying like we should have been or working like we should have been but on the tv like he would do things like destroy the tv right? like no tv and uh you know i don't destroy tvs because i like the tv myself but uh, uh but it, I immediately go to anger, and I immediately go to regulations and rules, right? Okay, no more screen time, right? You're grounded from the phone. You're grounded from Xbox. You're grounded from this, grounded from this. this, this. But what's behind that is the strong desire for human connection, right? And the strong desire and fear that what my, my children are gonna turn into robots. Like they won't be able to look at other people face to face. That they won't make eye contact when we have a guest, or at church with new people, or with you know the aunts and uncles in the church. That they don't, they won't make eye contact and greet. You know my my parents were really hard on me about greeting. When you come into a home, when you come into church, when so, a guest comes into our home, you insa, which in Korea means you bow, you make eye contact, you say and you greet people. And greeting was so important, and so. When I come into my home, and there's no greeting, it's just Then it's like, boom, boom, what am I going to cut off? What rules am I going to make? But I was talking to a friend of mine at seminary, and his he's also a child psychologist and works as a child behavior specialist. And he said, you know, I can come into your house and observe your kids, and I can tell you, boom, 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 boom what's going on, what the dynamics are. And he says, nine times out of 10, if you just take some time to do an activity with your son like and engage with him things will improve
1: and so I did
0: experiments you know I tested it so, you know this summer I get more time with my kids They're out of school so I've been going to the park with them yesterday with Isaiah I threw the ball you know I pitched him some twice. wiffle balls <laughs> and uh, he hit them with his wiffle ball back and it works, like we spent quality time together and right, he's making more eye contact and we're, he's smiling at me more. He's not pushing me away and saying, get away dad. He actually likes me, right? And so I think presence and connection are really important for human beings. The problem is that in our culture, busyness and task are sometimes paramount, right? Americans are busy people, and I don't wanna class lump everyone together. Some of us aren't busy people, right? Uh, Some of us are extremely busy, and we like to stay busy. We make ourselves busy even when we don't have to be busy, right? I stay busy because if I don't have anything to do, I don't know what to do with myself. And when I'm idle, oftentimes a lot of other stuff comes up that's going on inside me that I can I can avoid when I'm busy or distracted, right? My anxiety can come up. My fears of the future can come up. My fears of whether I can provide or God will take care of. The family will come up. My loneliness can even come up. And you're like,
1: hey, <gasps> you have kids, a family, you're married, you get lonely?
0: Hate to tell you single people out there, like, marriage isn't the end all, right? You can even be lonely in marriage married, or surrounded by people that you love. So things come up when I slow down. And I function way better when I have, when I'm double booked, triple booked, quadruple booked. In fact, I like to juggle multiple things, you know, because that keeps me, it keeps me adrenalized, it keeps me going, and it gives me things to do. But it's not healthy, right? It's not what we really need on, in the bottom line. The bottom line is that we need presence, we need one another's presence, we need human connection, we need community. We need love. We need relationship. We need eye contact, and it's hard, harder and harder, I feel, to get those things without intentionality in today's world. Um, so when we hit this passage, we see Mary and Martha, and they're, you know, they're common characters. They're friends of Jesus, and they're around Jesus a lot. And he's uh, on their way. Uh, they come to a village, and they, Martha opens her home to them. And her sister is Mary. And what we see is that Mary is sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. And so there's a few things going on here. The one thing culturally, contextually, the one thing that I wanted to point out is that hospitality in this culture was really, really, really important. Right? Even if a stranger came in to your came into your village, came by your home, you would have them come in. You would have them clean their feet. You would clean their have a servant clean their feet. You would offer them a meal. Can I feed you? Can I put you up for the night? That is like the thing to do. The proper thing to do. Um was hospitality and making sure that someone was taken care of who was in their home, was fed, was, was clean, and was taken of. And so we see why um, Martha was upset because Mary isn't following protocol, was going against the culture, the customs of hospitality. She was being counter and the ways that she just sat um, listening at Jesus' feet, while she was hurriedly making preparations. Do you want coffee? Do you want tea? Creamer, right? Pastries. Here, I'm going to put together the hors d'oeuvres, etc., etc. Uh, making distracted, it says the scripture says, by all the preparations that had to be made. The other way that Mary is being very countercultural in that you wouldn't necessarily see this. Uh, Is that she is sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. And we know that Jesus was considered, even in the temple, as a rabbi, a teacher, a scripture. And those who sat around rabbis um, listening were the rabbi students. And rabbi students were male, right? Never the women, never the females. And so she's sitting as a student listening to the rabbi's words. We know that Jesus was a great teacher, even as a child, like his parents left him in Jerusalem, remember, and they came back, found him in the temple, and everyone was around Jesus as a boy, amazed by his words, right? And and throughout uh, the gospels, Jesus is found teaching in the synagogues, and people are always amazed by the authority and the knowledge he had of scriptures and authority by which he spoke. And so he's a rabbi, he's a great teacher and Mary is sitting at his feet. So those are two kind of cultural faux pas that are happening and and they have to do with gender, right? One, Mary is not doing the work of hospitality that Martha is doing, that she's supposed to. And that was also the work of servants and women. Two, Mary is sitting as a student at the rabbi's feet, which is something that was not done by women, but by men. And so in this kind of, in the middle of the series, July is for the ladies. I just wanted to point out that Jesus was very countercultural in the ways that he dealt with um, cultural biases, societal norms, and gender biases. And and many times, the people that he points out, saying, remember what this person has done. It will be remembered through history. Like, I I lift this person up to you because they have been faithful. Look at this person. You know, the times that happens, it's happened like three or four times in the gospel. It's always women, right? It's always women, (laughs) Remember in Matthew 20 uh, six, uh, the widow you know Jesus is observing everyone in the temple putting stuff into the offering right and he's seeing all the rich people be like
1: clink 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 clink
0: yeah yeah <laughs> right another person's like oh yeah right making all these sound and this hubbub about putting the offering into the offering plate And they were all pennies, so it made more sound, and there's more, right? Stuff like that. But one widow drops a mile, right? A single coin. But Jesus says, look at this person! That's all that she had. And all that she had, He gave it. And what does he say? Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her, right? Jesus elevates her. He points it out. Actually, that was not the widow mite. That comes after uh, the woman who washes his feet with her hair. Right? But he does point out the woman, the widows who gives her offering as well. He says, look at what she's done. And there's several other times that he does this. And in our passage. Jesus says, "Martha, Martha," the Lord answered, "You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. For indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her." Like what? What? You know, this week in my Thursday thoughts, I wrote, you know, a kind of a post. On Luke 15, the lost parable, the prodigal son, the lost sons, right? And you remember the older son, and I say that he's lost as well. Why is the older son lost? He stayed home. He didn't go squandering his life and his money, his father's inheritance, living wild, drinking, right? And partying it up, and then returning. He was home the whole time, being faithful,
1: older brother. But inside, he was bitter right? The older brother was bitter. He was like, this whole time, that son of yours, that little spoiled brat went doing whatever. He disrespected you, right? He basically broke his relationships with us and went out overtly sinning, overtly like desecrating our name. And I have been here all these years, slaving away from you, for you, working in your fields, being faithful year after year after year. Right? And that is our response. Right? Is it the right thing, God? I've been in the church, I've been serving you. People are on summer vacation right now, and I'm here at church. Right? I could be out there. I can be out there instead of listening to this guy's bitch. Like, what are we doing here? But I'm here. I've been faithful. I've served on leadership. I've, you know, brought coffee and donuts. I've done this. I've done that. I've fed the homeless. I go to the food pantry. I do this. I do that. Isn't that the right thing to do? Isn't that what we should do? but look at Mary, she's just being lazy. How many of
0: you have felt like that? Like you're washing, this for me is like, I'm washing the dishes and other people are just sitting around like laughing. Yeah. And then that, that move where the person has another dirty dish and like put it right next to you. And you're just like,
1: Ugh! Right, like pick up a sponge, clean up your crap, <laughs> right? Washing the dishes. And I know how Martha feels. Mary's just sitting there, oh, Jesus.
0: Like, give me the word. But Jesus flips the script on those feelings of bitterness and resent. Jesus flips the script on our culture of busyness and distraction. Jesus flips the script on our need to do things to have worth. On our need to fulfill the roles in our life. Right? and to stay busy and to stay and do the things the right way or, or do our roles in traditional ways or whatever. But what he's pointing out is the reason why she's doing the, the good thing right now is because she is absorbing my presence. She's being with me. She's gazing into my eyes and receiving my words and we're doing life together. Right. And that's the most important thing. And we see that it's the most important thing in Scripture, even in the Old Testament, the people in the Exodus, the people of the promise. God gives them the promise, but also the promise is not just the land. Right. Flowing with milk and honey. The promise is also attached. So there's physical concrete things. But the promise is also God's presence, right? And I will take you to land, and your descendants will be many. Blah 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 blah. And what? I will be with you, right? I will be with you. Moses. Moses and uh, what is it, Exodus 33? He's interceding on behalf. This is after the golden calf, and God's like. uh, go the people can go they'll be all right they can go to the promised land i'm not going my presence will not go and moses is like if your presence does not go before us then we i'm not going you have to be with me none of the prizes matter if god isn't present right that's what moses is saying And we see that throughout scriptures. It's not just the thing. It's God's presence as well. In the New Testament, what was Jesus called? He was called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so as we walk, some of us have been Christians for all of our lives. We've grown up in the church. Me and Magdiel and the Sec brothers were talking about this. We're PKs. And you know what? PKs are the most, da- pastor's kids, are the most dangerous people. Every pastor kid has to have, in order to trust them, you have to have a season of rebellion or sitting on the bench or like a season away from God. Because if you never had that season and you have a PK in your presence, it's going to blow up right there. Eventually, <laughs> that person has to come to God on their own and have a, have a moment rebellion and coming back because we grew up all our life behind the image of church right and and kind of doing things right and being the church the pastor family but we never figured it out for ourselves right and so that's why a lot of pastors kids you know they're like the most the worst But then when they have the Jesus moment and come back, it's like, yeah, they're awesome, right? Um, Why was I talking about that? (laughs) Because I'm distracted, distracted. exactly. Exactly. Oh, my point in all that is, if we're just doing the motions of Christian and doing the motions of church, that's a dangerous thing. If we're just filling our lives with activity, Just because that's what we're supposed to do, this is what churches do. We do programs, we do outreaches, we do this and that. You know, we do children's ministry, we do a clothing bank, we do this, 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 this. But we don't have a deep presence, you know, a deep connection with the presence of God. We're not sitting at the feet of Jesus, receiving from Jesus that Jesus is not our first love. Right? That we're obsessed and infatuated with Jesus Christ and with His Word, and we're allowing Jesus' the Holy Spirit to come in our hearts and transform us and heal us and break us and disciple us and mentor us. It's love, right? We know that in our relationships, right? And for those of you who are married, right? The honeymoon can be over, the puppy dog love is over. Right? And sometimes you're like, I am going through the motions, but you gotta light that fire again. Right? And how do you light that fire? Right? You have to be with each other and spend time with one another and look into one another's eyes. And this is what Jesus is saying. Be with me. Stop and be with me. (laughs) And uh this is my commitment, and this is what I feel our commitment as a should be um, closing out this summer and going into fall kickoff and all of that. In the past, we have all of these kind of like outreaches planned, and let's do this and let's do that. But I think the one thing that I've been feeling tugging at my heart, not just my heart, but other leaders' hearts. We need to pray, right? And remember the Fuego series. We need to catch on fire. Our hearts need to be on fire. We need to come together and pray and ask God, what are you going to do in the midst of us? What are you going to do with us? If your presence does not go before us, we're not going to go. Right? And it's not about maintaining this building or doing our ministries or coming up with the next best strategy, the next best approach, you know, tinkering with our worship or our worship space or, like, how we, you know, approach new people. Do we scare new people off or do we, do we give, them, give them space? You know, jump on
1: it. this connection.
0: All those things are important. Don't get me wrong. But not without the presence of God. All of our activities without sitting at the feet of God, like Mary, is a clanging cymbal. It's just dong, 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 dong. We need God. I need God. I need to be at his feet. in control and that he knows and that he has words of life for you. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the model of Mary. And we thank you for the faithfulness of Martha and that in that time you could teach teach us that it's okay to let go of things. Let go of our distractions and just be (laughs) that might be the most radical message to us in our culture today is to let go be still and sit at your feet may this week be filled with ways that we are stopping and sitting at your feet teach us how to pray teach us how to listen and teach us how to let go Even when that person in the left lane in front of you is driving very slowly, help us to be still and know that you are Lord. In Jesus' name.